Just sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip that started from this tropic port aboard this tiny ship. Mary Ann, everything looks so delicious. Well, thank you, Ginger. I have a few more surprises up my sleeve since this is our first Christmas on the island. Well, maybe some of this yummy food will lift our spirits. Especially the boys. They seem what? extra grumpy today. Oh, Ginger, Marianne, save me! Gilligan. Save me, Ginger! Help! Save me! What Thanks. is it? Is something out there? Yes, there's a bear after me! A bear? Gilligan, there are no bears on the no. island. Gilligan! See? There he is. Oh, Gilligan, that's just a skipper. Yeah, and he's a big, angry, grumpy bear, too. <laughs> you are so... I'm gonna break Skipper. your stick body! Skipper, what did Gilligan do? Yeah, what did Gilligan do? I'll tell you what he did, he... Skipper, come on, it's Christmas Eve. Can't you put it behind you? Yeah, can't you put it behind you? Yeah, this is supposed to be a joyous day. A joyous day. Buddy! Please, please Skipper. Please, Skipper. Please, Skipper, please. Oh, all right. Just for you two. Okay. For today only, nothing he does will make me angry. Wow, thanks, girls. Did you hear that? So, Skipper, are you sure that nothing I do will make you angry? For today only. Oh, oh. <laughs> Just checking. I thought for sure I wouldn't live to celebrate another Christmas. Celebrate? What is there here to celebrate? Oh, well, this is my first Christmas in paradise. Paradise? Ha! How is this paradise? Well, by definition, uh, paradise is a place of extreme beauty, delight, and happiness. And uh, I, for one, see the beauty all around me, am and delighted to be in the presence of such great friends, and therefore am extremely happy. Well, good for you, Professor. I can't deny the fact that we're surrounded by beauty, but I'm not finding anything to be happy about being stranded on this island for Christmas. Come on, Skipper. We all want to be rescued, but for now we're here, and it's Christmas. Yeah, so yeah. what do you say we make the most of it? Yes. How do we do that? Yeah, how are we supposed to make the most of Christmas without everything I love most about Christmas? Well, first we must decide what really matters most. I mean, what makes Christmas Christmas? I know what makes Christmas the most. It's the uh, most... Um... The most amazing oh. gifts, my boy. Oh. The gifts. That's right, Thurston. Christmas is a terrible, boring, humdrum day without all those bright packages with sparkling gems inside. Oh, Are those for us? Yes, yes, of course. Everyone sit down. Oh, okay. This is a token of our love and admiration for each of you this Christmas season. Skipper, one for you. Oh, Skipper, for you. Marianne. Oh, Marianne. Ginger. Ginger. And lastly, Professor. And lastly, Professor. And lastly, Professor, mm -hmm. I'm just bluffing you. <laughs> Who could forget my dear boy Gilligan? There you are, lad. Thanks, Mr. Howell. Uh, do we open them now? By all means. Oh, okay. One must never wait to open a gift when it's handed to them. Yes, yes, it's immensely rude. How else yes. is one to see the extent of our wealth if you leave it in a package? Yes. <laughs> wow, I got an IOU. So did I. For a million dollars. Wow. Well, our options for shopping were quite limited on the island. Well, thank you, Mr. Thanks. and Mrs. Yes. Howell. Thank you. No, yes, welcome. thank you. I have an idea. I propose a toast. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Okay. yes. To Mr. and Mrs. Howell. To, to Mr. and Mrs. Howell. Cheers. Oh, Gilligan. Oh. Gilligan. 
already know what I'm going to do with my money first when we get off the island. What's that, dear? Buy the skipper a new boat. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the Howells made it clear what matters to them most. It's the giving of gifts. A Howell never comes to a Christmas celebration empty-handed. Mind you, we're not accustomed to leaving empty-handed either. But in this case, we shall make an exception. Well, I can't give you a million dollars, but I can guarantee you won't walk away empty. Empty tummied! Oh, oh, wow, Marianne, that looks great. That looks marvelous. Bring some of that here. Oh, wow. Is that a banana cream pie? Yes, and thanks to the professor and his mixture of the island herbs and plants, I was able to duplicate the recipe. Oh, look at that. Well, I was planning on watching my figure during the holidays, but... I can make an exception in this case. Oh, oh no need for that. My dear, next to a man's wallet, there's no greater gift than to fill his stomach. Uh-huh. <laughs> here, here. What do you say we dig into some of this now? Oh, good oh, idea. Let's see. Oh, oh, Wait a minute. Where is that? Where did what happened to Bob? Did I drop it? What? Gilligan! Oh. Gilligan! Hey, remember what you said, Skipper. No getting mad at Gilligan. But he didn't say anything about us. That's Come here with that pot. That is our pot. You have to share here. Not for lunch. She made that for all. I'm gonna nail you to what you left at a minute. Everybody, it's all right. I made a pie for each of you. You know, if it's one thing I've learned, it's not Christmas unless you have way too much food. Now sit down, and I'll bring you your own pie. Okay, Ginger. Yes. Can you help me with this? I certainly like the way that you celebrate Christmas, Marianne. Yeah, me too. But I must say, something is missing. Yeah, I know what it is. More dessert. Oh, Gilligan, had enough. Oh, no, Gilligan, you see, when I was a child, it was my job to provide the entertainment at Christmas. Oh, Ginger. I always enjoy watching you entertain. Yes, 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 you have yes, such yes. A beautiful, voice. beautiful. Well, thank you, Skipper. But this time, I'm going to need your help. Oh, for you, anything. Oh, oh, big me, big me. Okay, you two come with me. <laughs> well, this ought to be interesting, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to say the least. Now, Ginger would pay to see entertain, but the other two better start peeling some bananas to throw. Oh, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> You want me to what? Oh, no, I am not going to do that. No. Too late now, Gilligan. <gasps> I wonder what she could possibly be asking them to do. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I used to entertain the cows back on the farm. Did you? Yodelay. Oh, 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 dear, dear, that's quite all right. <laughs> oh, Thurston, do you remember when we used to go to the theater in New York? It was so lovely. I do hope it's like my fair lady. Oh, yes, it was a good show. You know, some of my fondest memories are in that theater, bribing city officials. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? Tonight, I present to you, for your holiday entertainment, the wonderful, the marvelous, the greatly anticipated... We'll be the judge of that. <laughs> the greatly anticipated Island Trio. I said the greatly anticipated. That's your cue. We know. We aren't coming out. Oh. oh. Uh, they're a little shy. 
the greatly anticipated Island Trio. Get out here now. Your Island Trio. Oh, my. This is humiliating. You know, little buddy, I agree with you. Okay, hit it, boys. Meli Kiki Maka is a thing to say on a bright island Christmas day. Christmas day! That's the island greeting that we send to you from the land where palm trees sway. Palm trees sway! Here we know that Christmas will be green and bright. The sun will shine by day and all the stars at night. Meli Kiki Maka is the island's Meli Kiki Maka is a thing to say on a bright island Christmas day. Let's see, I don't greeting that this land where palm trees sway. Here we know that Christmas will be green and bright. The sun will shine by day and all the stars at night. Meli Kiki Maka is the island's way to say Merry Christmas, a very Merry Christmas, a Merry, 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 Merry Christmas to you. Oh, bravo! Well, I can tell you what mattered most to me. You know, it wasn't Christmas unless we had the biggest lighting display of the entire neighborhood. So by combining the bioluminescence of the crispecular coleoptera and the thermoluminescence with the atomite I found in the interior, I was able to bring my Christmas to you all. What? 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 Guys, citric acid and lightning bugs. Oh, oh you're brilliant, yeah. professor. Yeah. yeah, it's brilliant enough to create electricity, but not to get us off this island. Yeah. Only a matter of time, Mr. Howell. Okay, uh, Mrs. Howell, would you like to do the honors? Oh, look at that, dear. I get to help, and I didn't even have to bribe him with money. <laughs> Good show. <laughs> what do I do? Okay, very simply, just touch these two wires together. Oh, this is so exciting. <gasps> oh! Well done, love it. This is wonderful. Oh, yes. I feel like I'm under the Hollywood lights again. Yes, yes, and that's that's not all. That's not all. Skipper, isn't what the professor did amazing? Yes, Gilligan, it's amazing. Still not enough to cheer you up? Marianne, I'm sorry, but I'm afraid the only thing I want this Christmas is to get off of this island. Uh, yeah, he is. Oh, I thought yes, for sure we'd yes. be home by now. Oh, I thought we were going to make the most of it and have a Merry Christmas anyway. What do we have to be merry about? Yes, I'm in my summer outfit, not my Christmas attire. That's certainly nothing to be merry about. Yeah, quite right. Yeah, and I was just cast opposite 
Cary Grant in the next Christmas movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, Gilligan, maybe we should just call it a night. Yes, yes. No, wait. I haven't got a chance to share yet. Actually, little buddy, I think you and I have shared enough tonight to last a lifetime. <laughs> oh, that's not what I mean. I mean, share what means the most to me at Christmas. I think he deserves the chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. I guess okay, it's only Gilligan. fair. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, everybody, let's uh, gather around the fire. Oh, okay. okay, Ginger, okay. why don't you come over? Sorry, Gilligan. Gilligan. And then you can get out of the way, boy. Okay, I'll stand. Um, so, got a spot? All right, now, when I was growing up, we weren't rich like you, Mr. and Mrs. Howell. In fact, the greatest gift I ever got was two pairs of socks instead of one. In fact, I'm wearing one right now. Did you guys want to see? No, no, no. no. Socks. Put it away. And the food, it wasn't really good like yours, Marianne. I mean, the most we had was beets out of the garden or oh. some scraps out of a restaurant dumpster, oh. if we could put gas in the car to get to a restaurant. Oh, oh Gilligan, that's depressing. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. okay, get to your point. The point, yeah, of course. I mean, that would be silly to stand here and talk if I didn't have a point, so I'll just get right to the point of what I was saying. The, the most important point was, uh, what was the point? Hurry up, Gilligan! Sorry. Um, the point, yeah, of course, the point. Well, the point was, I didn't have all those things that you guys were talking about. This is what you wanted to share with us? Gilligan, that's awful. Yes, a Christmas without gifts. Dreadful, you poor boy. Thurston, give him another IOU for a million dollars. No, 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 no. See, I didn't even think it was dreadful. In fact, I remember how every Christmas Eve, my mom would sit me down and she'd tell me this really great story. Ooh, I love a campfire story. Yes. Well, little buddy, tell us the story. Okay, uh, it's been a long time, but I'll try to remember it. Uh, I remember that there was a baby and a donkey and three wise guys. And um, the couple having the baby, it was Joseph the carpet installer and uh, Mary the Virginian. Yeah. Um, or was she a virgin? Or was her name Virginia? Kill oh. um, again! Oh, sorry, Skipper. The details, they're, they're a little fuzzy, but um, I remember what she said about the baby. Um, she said that uh, Christmas is about celebrating the birth of God's son. He named him Jesus, and uh, he was born in a barn? I mean, can you believe that? A barn? Yeah. I mean, boy, would that stink. And not just like the smelly kind of stink. I mean, it would just really stink to have to live in a barn. This you know what I mean? story is starting to stink. Yes. Well, anyways, he didn't have the fancy lights and the fancy food, just a few gifts to help take care of him. But people knew he was the gift that would change their lives. And all that really matters is that we accept that gift. Oh, yeah. I don't need to be off the island to celebrate that. We just need to have faith. Yeah. All right, I, I think we should sing a, a Christmas song, okay? Let's, let's sing together, right? Um, oh, come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Come and behold him, born a king of angels. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Hey, good job. 
Gilligan's right. And not only about that, we don't need the fancy gifts and food to celebrate what Christmas is really about. Speak for yourself, young lady. Oh, oh hush, Thurston, she's right. Yeah, thanks, Gilligan. <laughs> yeah, you know, little buddy, I'm glad to be on the island spending Christmas with you. Aw, oh, you really mean that, Skipper? Well, easy come, easy go, I guess. At least we still have our campfire going. Yeah. You never know when a rescue plane might fly over the island. And you! Gilligan! Remember, no getting mad at Gilligan. <sighs> What's that? What's that noise? Shh! Listen, everybody. I think we just may be home for Christmas after all. Oh, all right. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. Let's go, let's go. So how many of you grew up watching Gilligan's Island? Yeah, yeah. Leave it to Gilligan to get the story right. Christmas is not about a lot of things that we make it about. It's not about getting the most expensive gifts. Though getting a million-dollar IOU might be kind of cool. It's not about having the most delicious meal, and I do love good food, but it's more than that. It's not about the coolest technology or having the best Christmas lights on the block. And I don't even think it's about all the holiday entertainment, though I, I like that too. Christmas is so much more, a lot more. Now, I don't want you to get me wrong, not for a second, because I... I am not opposed to any of those things, not at all. I like gifts, Christmas cookies, Christmas trees. I like Christmas movies, like It's a Wonderful Life, Home Alone, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, I love them all. I love Die Hard, that is a Christmas movie, by the way, it's a good one, I like that one too. I like iPads, iPods, iPhones, I everything, I do. I like stuff about Christmas, that's not what I'm against, and so um, I don't want you to think I'm against those things, but maybe. Just maybe Christmas is a lot more than all of that. Maybe trying to create a perfect Christmas or a Christmas in paradise has very little to do with what we can buy, get, or even give. I recently read that Americans spent over $42 billion, that's billion with a B, on Thanksgiving weekend. From Black Friday through Cyber Monday, $42 billion. Now that's a lot of money and a lot of stuff. And again, don't get me wrong, I love America, I love capitalism, I love shopping, I'm not afraid to admit that, I really do. I'm not a Christmas killjoy, I'm not trying to be an a Ebenezer Scrooge or a Grinch that steals Christmas from you. And I think we can enjoy and love the holiday and Christmas season and everything about it. But is it possible that things have gotten just a little crazy and that we've drifted a little too far from what really matters at Christmas? Is it possible? Is it possible that we have become distracted from what really is important for us to remember at Christmas and, in fact, throughout the entire year? I want to suggest that Christmas is much more about what has been given to us by God rather than anything we might buy, get, or give to anyone else. The truth is Christmas is one of the most significant events in history, in the history of mankind, for two very important yet simple reasons. And here's the first one. Christmas reminds us that we are loved by the Father. Christmas reminds us that we are loved by God. The most famous statement in the Bible, hands down, is found in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting, eternal life. That verse explains why God sent his Son to earth. To show us that the entire reason for Christmas is the love of God. For God so loved the world that he sent. He gave his Son 
his one and only son. Every Christmas light, every Christmas tree, every Christmas carol, every Christmas cookie ought to remind us that we are loved by the Father. In fact, loved so much that he gave his very best for us. And by the way, this is important to understand as well. God's love is not based on your performance. It is based on his character and his nature. It's not based on us. That means that his love for us is not based on what you do. It's not based on what you don't do. The Bible says God is love. It's not something he chooses to do when he's having a good day and not so much when he's having a bad day, not at all. The Bible says God is love. He loves us all the time. And so his love is unconditional and unchanging. Unconditional means there's nothing you can do to make God love you anymore and nothing you can do to make him love you any less. It's unconditional. You can't earn it. He just loves you. And it's unchanging. It's never going to change. He loves you on your bad days as much as he loves you on your good days. And for guys like me, that's really good news. He loves you regardless of your moods, your actions, or even your thoughts. He just loves you. And Christmas reminds us of the love of God. I was talking with a guy named John not too long ago. And he was convinced for a long time that God could never love him because of all the stupid mistakes he'd made in his life. And the truth is, I knew John pretty well. And he'd made a lot of foolish mistakes in his journey. But he told me, he said, I think God used to love me when I was a kid and when I used to go to church with my mama. But there's no way, not anymore, there's no way God could love a guy like me. And he truly believed that. And I told him what I'm telling you tonight. Love made a way. Where there is no human possible way. Where we don't deserve it. Love, God's love made a way. Having God's love is not about what we can do for him. Or not do by staying out of trouble. It's all about what has been done for us by Jesus. And I need you to listen very carefully to this. The Bible clearly teaches that there is nothing. Nothing we can ever do that will separate us from God's love. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. God sent his son to earth to live among us so that we could see the heart and the love of God for all mankind, for us, for you. And he sent him to stretch out his arms to die for us so that we could experience forgiveness, his grace and his mercy. He sent him to love us and he sent him to die for us so that we could be restored to relationship with the Father. And he stretched out his arms once upon a time on a cross just for you and for me. I've got four grandkids and my oldest is five and a half years old and her name is Adele and I love her a whole lot. She's always been just the sparkle in her grandpa's eye and and she, uh, well, she's about three. And we used to play this little game. And you've done it with your kids or your grandkids. And I'd walk up to Adele and say, Grandel, how much does Grandpa love you? And she'd get a big grin on her face because she knew where we were going. And she'd put her arms like this. and said, Grandpa loves me this much. She's trying to reach as far as she could. Grandpa loves me this much. I said, that's right. I love you from here to the moon and back. And we'd giggle and we'd do it again. And, and she'd say, again. And when she's little, again. I, how much does Grandpa love you? To that moon. And it was such a joyful experience for me, for her to understand that Grandpa loved her. God loves us so much that he sent a son who stretched out his arms on a cross for you and for me. In fact, 1 John 4, 9 says God showed how much he loved us. God didn't just tell you that he loved you. He showed his love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. The message of Christmas is that God loves you so much that he sent his son to break into your world, to break into our broken lives, into our messes with a promise of hope, of joy, of restoration, of salvation. And there's nothing in our lives too great for God or too strong for him. Nothing stronger than his love for you and for me. And so what do we do? Well, our response is to trust him and to believe in him, to respond to that love. 
But the first thing Christmas reminds us is that God loves us, that we are loved by the Father. Here's the second thing, the second great truth. Christmas reminds us that we are not alone. Not only are we deeply and passionately loved by God, and that's awesome, but God wants us to know that he is with us. If I told my wife that I love you, but I never came home, I never spent any time with her, I never invested any time with her at all, my telling her that I loved her might mean a little bit, but it's when I am with her, when she sees it demonstrated in my actions, when I'm there with her by her side, that she really knows, she feels, she senses my presence and the love that I have for her. God not only said, I love you, but he said, I am with you always. Matthew 1, says, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. One of the names for Jesus is Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. God is with us. He's not some distant God who's uninterested in our lives or uncaring about our struggles. He's with us. He's not some cold and heartless God who's indifferent to our hurts or unresponsive to our cries. He is with us. He's not too busy. He's not too big. He's not too preoccupied for you. He is with us. He is with you. And again, it was love that gave us Emmanuel, God with us. Most of us at one time or another in our lives have been abandoned by someone, abandoned rejected by someone that we thought loved us, someone that we loved. And we know too well the agony of being alone. But the promise of God, which just blows my mind, the promise of God to us is not only do I love you, but I will never abandon you. Not only do I love you, but you will never be without me. Hebrews 13, 5 says, God has said, I, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Important word, never. God said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. That's the promise of God to us. That's how much he loves us. I want you to think for a moment about the worst place you've ever been in in your life. Now, you probably had a bad experience and, and created some bad emotions, but just think about the worst place. Maybe it was you, you lost somewhere. I get lost on a fairly regular basis, and not just once, but twice. Backpacking, I've wandered off with my friends and gotten lost in the woods. A horrible feeling, and maybe that's something you can relate to. You've been lost in town and, and get frustrated and, and worried about finding your way. Maybe you've been, you know, your worst possible experience was on an airplane. I, not too long ago, had the uh, pleasure of riding next to a child who screamed and puked and pooped, the, the whole thing, the, uh, on the plane, right there next to me. Miserable experience, not fun at all. Maybe your worst place was in a pre-op surgery room like I was in this last June. They're not fun places to be. As I laid in that room, waiting to go in to have cancer removed from my body, it's a difficult place to be. Or maybe it was the first night you were home alone after your spouse packed up and said they never loved you, never would love you again, and walked out. You need to know that in those horrible places where you may not have felt God's presence, he was there. He was there, and he is there right now. You know, I don't know what 2012 is going to hold for you or for me. I was thinking back about this past year. You know, typically I look back over the year and remember some of the good and the things that weren't so good. And a year ago, Christmas, I had no idea that by June I'd be going through surgery to remove cancer from my body and a whole bunch of other things. I didn't know that my stepdad would pass away. I didn't know that my uncle would die. So many things I had no idea a year ago that would happen. Anybody else surprised by anything that happened this year? I had no idea what ha that the things would come that, that came into my life this last year. And the truth is, and I don't say this to scare you, just this is a reality. We don't know what 2012 is going to bring either. We have no idea. 
According to the Mayans, this is going to be our last Christmas. December 21st, the world's supposed to come to an end. Have you heard that one? And that's, maybe that's why we've been so full in every service. People think this is the last Christmas. I better make one. I don't know. I do not know what's going to happen. But what I do know is that we will not have to face anything alone. We won't have to face next week, next month, next year, the next decade, any part of our lives alone. And we lose our fear when we realize that God is near. We lose our fear when we realize that we are not alone. Emmanuel, God is with us. You see, I can sum up the relevance of Christmas in just one phrase, in just one sentence. God sent his son to be with us so that we could be with him. Do you get that? Do you understand? God sent his son to be with us so that we could be with him. It is the gospel, the good news in one single word, Emmanuel. And that means that you and I, at any point in our journey, can grab a hold of God, grab a hold of his hand, and know that he will walk us with us right there every step along the way. There are a lot of things that we can enjoy at Christmas, and I hope you're enjoying your family and your friends and good food. And I, There's so many things that make this such a special time of the year for all of us. But none should bring us greater joy than these simple, two simple, powerful truths. That God loves us and that we are not alone. God loves you. And you don't have to ever be alone. Maybe you've seen the bumper sticker or the uh, billboards around town that say, Jesus is the reason for the season. Have you seen those around? And I've been around for a long time. And I know that it, it's true. It's good. I, I suspect that part of why those pop up all over the place this time of year is to remind people it's not about all the shopping and materialism, consumerism, that it really is about Jesus. And that is true. That is so true. But there's something else just as true. You ready? Here it is. You and I are the reason for the season too. From God's perspective, you and I are the reason. We're the reason for the season. God came to us so that we could come to him, so that we could walk with him, be in relationship with him, know and experience and live in his love. I want to finish with a Christmas parable. It was written many years ago by a guy named Luis Cassells, and it illustrates this truth so well. Let me just read it to you. Once upon a time, there was a man who looked upon Christmas as a lot of humbug. He wasn't a Scrooge. In fact, he was a kind and decent person, generous to his family and fair in all his dealings with other men. But he just didn't believe all that stuff about God becoming a man to reach us, and he was too honest to pretend that he did. I'm truly sorry to distress you, he told his wife, who was a faithful churchgoer, but I simply cannot understand this claim that God became one of us. It just doesn't make any sense. Well, on Christmas Eve, his wife and children went to church for the midnight service, and he declined to accompany them. I'd feel like a hypocrite, he explained. I'd rather stay at home, but I'll wait up for you. Shortly after his family drove away in the car, snow began to fall. He went to the window and watched the flurries getting heavier and heavier. Well, if we must have Christmas, he thought, it's nice to have a white one. And he went back to his chair by the fireside and began to read his newspaper. A few minutes later, he was startled by a thudding sound. It was quickly followed by another, and then another. He thought about what was going on, that someone must be throwing snowballs at his living room window. But when he went to the front door to investigate, he found a flock of small birds huddled miserably in the storm. They had been caught in the storm, and in a desperate search for shelter, they tried to fly through his window. I can't let these poor creatures lie here and freeze, he thought. But what do I do? How can I, how can I help them? And then he remembered the barn 
where his children's pony was, and he knew that that would provide warm shelter. So he put on his coat and his boots, and he tramped through the deepening snow to the barn. And he opened the door wide and turned on the light, but the birds didn't come in. Hmm. Food, that will lure them in, he thought. So he hurried back to the house for breadcrumbs, which he sprinkled on the snow to make a trail into the barn. But to his dismay, the birds ignored the breadcrumbs and continued to flop around helplessly in the snow. He tried shooing them into the barn by walking around and waving his arms, but they scattered in every direction except into the warm, lighted barn. They find me a strange and terrifying creature, he said to himself, and I can't seem to think of any way to let them know that they can trust me. If only I could become a bird myself for even a few minutes, perhaps then I could lead them to safety. Just at that moment, the church bells began to ring in the distance. And he stood silent for a while, listening to the bells pealing the glad tidings of Christmas. And then he sank to his knees in the snow and whispered, Now I understand. Now I see why God had to do it, why you had to become one of us. God came to us so that we could come to him, so that we could know him, know his love, know his heart. And so what's a reasonable response to that kind of love, to his presence in our life? Well, I want to suggest there are some simple things we can do. First, admit. Admit that he lives, that he loves us, that he's for real. Admit that we need God, that we need a Savior. Then we can believe. Believe in him. Believe that he loves us and that he lives and that he came for us and that he lives today for us. And then we can commit our lives to him, to follow him in his strength and by his power. We admit we need him. We believe in his love and that he is alive, and then we commit our lives to follow him. That's the response of a heart that understands the love of God and the presence of God all around him. Bow your heads and let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for sending Jesus, that we have the privilege of remembering tonight that you have come for us, that you came to us so that we could come to you. God, thank you for your love, which goes beyond our comprehension, our ability to even understand, but it's so true, so real. Thank you for promising to be with us. Some, Lord, right here in this room tonight are going through a difficult time, and this is a difficult season for them. And I pray, God, in this moment right now that you remind them that you're right there, and they can grab a hold of you, and that you will never leave them, that you'll never fail them, you'll never forsake them. And God, some of us have not yet begun our journey as Christ followers. We've not yet given our lives to you, and I pray in this moment right now we would realize that it's your love that it's you that has drawn us to this point and to this place and that we respond to that right now. In fact, would you keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed just for a moment? And maybe you're here. And if you want to begin your life as a Christ follower tonight and give your life as a gift back to God in response to the gift that he's given to you, I'm going to pray this very simple prayer. What's important, though, is that you say, yeah, God, that's me, that you own this prayer, that you make my words yours. And all you need to do is just in your own way say, yep, God, that's me. That's what I want. And if you're ready to begin your life as a Christ follower, as a Christian right now, to give your heart and your life to God, just make this prayer yours. Father, I admit that I need you. I admit that I've sinned. I admit that I need a Savior. And I believe, I come to you now and believe that you live and that you love me. And I believe that you have a purpose for me. And I want to discover more of that and, and walk in it and live in it. And so I commit my life to you. I commit my all to you. I surrender everything that I have been, all that I am, and all that I will be, and I commit it to you. And right here, right now, I make the decision to give my life to you, and thank you for giving your life to me. 
Now, if that's you and that's what you want and that's your heart, in your own way, just say, yeah, God, what that guy just prayed, that's me. That's what I need. That's what I want. And the Bible says the instant you do, the moment you, you say yes to him, you cross from darkness into light. You cross that line of faith and you become a child of God. It's a miracle. It's a Christmas miracle for you right now. Lord, for those making that decision, show them how much you love them and that you're right there and that you will always be right there for them. And show them what it means to be a child of God. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the usher's going to come now and we're going to, uh, I'm going to ask you to remain seated. It's important that you do that uh, even during the song so that we don't light anybody or anything on fire. Well, we're going to light the candles, and I love this part of the service because this is an opportunity for us to sing this song, Silent Night, and to bless one another as we light the candles of those next to us. Let me just tell you a little history. Did you know that the song, Silent Night, is the most recorded song in all of history? More than any other song in all of history, this song has been recorded. And the story behind it is amazing. This priest, this guy named Joseph Moore, he uh, was in a small Austrian village, and his church organ didn't work for the Christmas Eve services. They, they were getting it ready, and because of the cold, they had a problem and couldn't get it set to, to work. And so he had written this poem, Silent Night. Thank you, Renee. He had written this poem, Silent Night, a couple of years before, and he went to a friend of his, a guy named Franz Gruber, who was a school teacher, and this guy played the guitar. And he said, the organ's broken, Franz, but could you write music for this song? And in about two hours, they put music to this poem that Joseph Moore had written. And for 200 or so years, this has been the most popular Christmas song in the world and so powerful in its declaration. Let's sing this together as we light our candles. Silent night, holy night. Silent night, holy Shepherds quake at the side. Silent.
candlelight on the face. Take a moment, just look around. It is beautiful. My prayer for you this Christmas and this coming year is that the light of Jesus will burn bright in your heart. That on those cold nights when you feel alone, you remember that you're not, that he is with you. Those moments where you're afraid and you're not sure what's going to happen, you remember that the light of God resides in you if you're his, and that he is with you, that he loves you. And it's my prayer that as you go throughout your day and your life this year to come, that the light of Jesus will also shine through you to a world that is in darkness and needs to see the light of God, needs to see the love of God, needs to know that he is with him. May the Lord bless you. May he provide his light through you and in you this year to come. God bless you guys. All right, let's do something very carefully right now. I'm going to ask you to, without tipping this or lighting your hair on fire, go ahead and blow it out. We actually had at uh, one point an elderly woman who had, uh, who, who knew that hairspray is flammable? And she bent over a little too far and the hair went like that. So just, just wanted to be careful. A couple things before you go tonight. Uh, first, let me tell you thank you again for coming and for being part of the service. What a gift you've given to us. And we love spending this time with you guys. And thank you. The second thing is, uh, if you tonight began your life as a Christ follower, tell somebody, tell your friend, tell your family member, you will make their Christmas. And they're back on the tables as you leave and out of the hallway. It says for new Christians, there's a pack, it's got a Bible and some material to get you started. Please stop and pick one of those up on your way out. And as you leave, uh, take your candles with you. There'll be ushers collecting them and baskets at the door. God bless you guys. Merry Christmas. Drive safely tonight. Thanks for coming.